This is the 27th episode of Fintech Flow, and we continue our journey on the InsureTech field. Today, we will have a historic overview on how InsureTech has developed in the past years, and we will also look into future trends. Thanks to the Magic of Innovation conference, I have an awesome guest to discuss all this. He is Roger Peverelli. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds, and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT certified fintech expert Linda Sharlai is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. Roger is a sought-after speaker, a best-selling author, an expert in digital innovation and customer engagement strategies. He is also the co-founder of the Digital Insurance Agenda, a global conference connecting insurance executives with insurtech leaders. Roger is listed on the global top 50 insurtech influencers. Roger, welcome to Fintech Flow. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Linda. Thanks for being my guest. When I was preparing for this interview, I read many great articles written by you. One of them gave a great overview about where the InsurTech stands today and where it is heading to. Could you share us your thoughts about the four waves of InsurTech? Yes, of course. Um, uh, you know, like um, uh, uh, to prepare the, the DIA conferences, we use a database that we've, uh, that we've um, uh, developed over the years. And in that database, we already have 2,500 InsurTechs. And when we look at that into a database, we can, of course, uh, paint a pretty good picture of what has changed in those years, but also how things will develop. And um, uh, on the basis of that analysis, we distinguished four waves of InsurTech. And the nice thing is that each of those waves actually tells something about the future of insurance. It sort of drives the future of insurance in a new direction. Now, the first wave um, is what we call the challengers. Basically, this is, um, this is uh, what we saw massively three years ago. InsurTech was mostly meant uh, challengers, uh, new entrants, which were basically out there to, to, to attack the established order. So disruption was a, was a, was a word that many spoke about. And um, to give you an example, uh, Oscar, you know, like uh, at that point in time, um, the, the famous uh, U.S. challenger uh, in health insurance, it said even in his advertising, we didn't start the company because we love health insurance, quite the opposite, in fact. What all these challengers did was really attack on the frictions that customer experienced when, um, when they deal with, uh, with uh, the larger insurance firms. We also looked into the, all, the, all the propositions that these new players had, and um, uh, almost all of them promised that they would solve those frictions, those reasons for dissatisfaction. So that, that was basically the ground for all these uh, challengers to emerge. But, um, you know, like uh, looking at those challenges, uh, uh, um, uh, those reasons for dissatisfaction, we also noticed that um, all the issues that they address are basically currently in scope of all the incumbents as well. So they are also already starting to solve those issues with uh, their operational excellence programs to become more simple and to become more personal. And uh, yeah, that they are making progress. Of course, that's not taking place everywhere, but we see that um, we see that um, that uh, they're getting there. Uh, for instance, from the net promoter scores that are improving all over the place. 
So that's why we start thinking that um, uh, um, probably this is also a reason why only few of those new players really captured a significant market share because the, 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 the competitive advantage that they have vis-à-vis um, um, -vis the incumbents is, uh, is shrinking. So it's becoming less. And um, yeah, uh, probably it is not enough to just solve those frictions. Probably you need to have more. And looking at the successful, the winning new entrants, we notice that uh, these are not only solving the pain points, but really have a distinctive business model on top of that. And of course, a great example is uh, is uh, Lemonade, uh, the, the, the also much acclaimed, highly acclaimed Intertech from, from the States. They, they sort of uh, created the rare combination, an intelligent combination of AI and the behavioral economics. And on the basis of that, they, um, they created new value for customers and probably that's the reason for, for their success. It's one of the things that we're currently looking at. So, so that will be the first wave, the first wave of Intertech, the challengers. So what you say is that they needed to differentiate themselves better than only offering a superb customer experience because the incumbents are also catching up? Absolutely. That's the, that's the right conclusion, Linda. And, um, you know, like uh, what, we, what we see is that um, it is not that difficult to come up with, um, with something that's a bit more simple or a bit more personal. But uh, technology enables us to, do, uh, to reach further and to create new business models. And uh, that's the challenge where, uh, where we enter into not just addressing the current needs or the latent needs, but really uh, trying to uh, create uh, yeah, new, new business models and uh, new, totally new revenue streams that are uh, also adding new value to customers. And that's, the, that's, that's what makes the challenger a winning challenger. Although I must say, you know, like, it doesn't mean that those challenges are not important, huh? because what we've noticed is that even with uh, improving the customer experience, they sort of raised the bar for the incumbents. Um, incumbents became aware that they really needed to step up to the plate to uh, become better at that before they start losing customers. So it really created a sense of urgency. So that's, that's also a function that they definitely had. They changed the frame of reference for customers. Absolutely, because this reference was changed by other companies like tech giants, but it hasn't been changed within the industry before the challengers. So as you said, they set a new bar for us. Absolutely, absolutely. That's absolutely the case. So, you know, like that, sec that, that sense of urgency that they now feel also fuel the second wave. That's what we call the enablers. This is also something that, uh, that we see reflecting in, in our database. Among the 2,500 young tech companies that we have in our database, around 80% are enablers. They're just there to, um, to assist the established carriers to improve or to renew specific parts of the value chain or even help them to create new ones. And even if we take a look at the, uh, the remaining 20%, uh, we notice that uh, they are not really challengers by heart because many of them also offer a white label solution so that uh, the incumbents can instantly introduce a new business model if they would use their services. So that second phase, uh, that second wave, the enablers, that's definitely something that is uh, currently taking place. And the promise of those enablers is that they will have an impact on the top line of, and bottom line of incumbents. Now, that sounds very good, of course, but, um, but this is also something that, um, 
that is a key theme of uh, of the conferences that we um, that we hold this year. Uh, we notice that when we meet insurance executives to discuss where they are when it comes to innovation, um, quite a few say they worry. Uh, they of course do agree on the importance of insurtex, but they are also quite humble when it comes to the scale on which these new solutions are being used. They say that uh, in spite of all the investments, in spite of all the pilots, in spite of all the proof of concepts, the impact of insurtech on the top line on the bottom line is still limited. And that's of course quite a quite a quite a quite an issue because you know like uh, we really need to tackle that issue because if we don't do that, we run the risk of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Um, that's why, you know, like looking at what would be the right solutions to overcome this is something that is uh, on the agenda um, uh, everywhere in every boardroom. So, Roger, what you say is that we are in the second wave now and what we can experience so far is that all the cooperation between the incumbents and the enablers has not yet brought the results the C-Suits has expected, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and you know, like uh, it's becoming even more complex because although this hasn't reached its full potential yet, we are already looking at the third wave, and it's taking place as we speak, and that's the the the, the wave of ecosystem partners. In our view, ecosystems beyond insurance is really the overarching trend for the years to come, and uh, often this is inspired by what takes place in Asia, for instance, at Rakuten or at Pingan. And we see more and more companies also in Europe uh, moving in that same direction. Um, a good example is what uh, Allianz is doing with Abracar and what uh, Baloise is doing with Mobli. They are entering the mobility space with an offer that is not primarily targeted at insurance, but really focuses on being active in platforms where people go to, to, see, to solve the real problems they have in life. You know, like... Normally, when I wake up in the morning, my first idea is not, um, uh, I'm not thinking about a car insurance, but I'm thinking about how to get to work uh, in the fastest way possible or how to drop off the kids uh, on, on my way to work. So it's really about mobility. And those concepts play a role in that area. So we're talking about platforms, not only around mobility, but also home, work, health but also around important life events, such as study, marriage, divorce, retirement, all those moments that include making important financial and risk decisions. And being there, being present there, that's, um, that's the next wave. That's the third wave of InsurTech. Now, what we notice is that many of those adjacent industries also have a, a vast number of young tech companies playing a pivotal role there. And um, this also, you know, like when you want to look beyond the vertical of insurance, it also includes uh, wanting to partner with companies that work in those adjacent industries, including young tech companies that play a role there. And that's the third wave. We need to think a bit broader than just tech firms operating in insurtech, but really embrace every company who adds value to whatever, to whatever we bring to our customers. And that's the third wave. So change on industrial level is going on. This often occurs by the exit of existing players and the entry of new ones. Do you think that will be the case in our industry? Well, I think that um, uh, I am not so worried about the 
the, 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 the current players, looking at the size on which they operate, it will be very difficult to, um, uh, to have uh, young players, challengers, new players to really move uh, into this market uh, with the size of the, of the large companies. Well, having said that, I think that the real, the real opportunity for uh, incumbents is to venture out to other uh, verticals, the adjacent industries, and play a role there. It won't be a role in which they are totally in control or fully in charge, but it will be a role in which they add new value to customers on the places where it matters most to those customers. So it is about expanding their view, uh, becoming more relevant, and uh, yeah, opening also up new business models and new revenue streams. So that's basically uh, that's basically it's more like an opportunity rather than than a uh, than a threat. But of course, you need to capture that opportunity. And in your view, what will the fourth wave bring for us? Well, the fourth wave is uh, is about um, uh, the fact that you know, like uh, we noticed that new technologies are critical to reposition the industry as more customer-centric, but they also offer opportunities to increase the economic and social value, the impact of, of incumbents, and to sort of reboot themselves as a force for good. And we see more and more insurtechs with the mission to tackle global challenges that we all have. For instance, uh, in health, decreasing health costs uh, while improving patient care, or technologies that help to offset the damage caused by natural catastrophes, or think about all sorts of platforms that use mobile to offer micro-insurance to millions of low-income people. Um, and that's that's really a, um, a big development that we see in the near future already. Think of BIMA, um, recently um, uh, having received a, a significant investment from Allianz, they already have like 25 million customers in 14 countries and uh, who were previously uninsurable. So they created new business models. And of course, that helps a lot. And um, another example would be, for instance, Understory from the US. They provide sensor technology that enables uh, insurers to warn their customers if there's a big storm or hurricane coming uh, uh, arriving shortly. And uh, of this only, of course, reduces the damage. But it also makes sure that people are back on their feet again once the, the storm has passed. So those are the kind of um, of, um, of opportunities to become more active and even more present and even play that social part more than they do today that is offered by uh, by those new technologies. What do you think drives this fourth wave of InsurTech? Is this noble thought driven by insurance companies or by technology and the startups who are picking up technology and enabling all this? Well, uh, basically all of the above. And I think there's an extra one, which is the labor market. Uh, we see that um, more and more uh, people, and especially younger people who are entering the, uh, the labor market, um, they are looking for employers that, uh, that have a cause. Uh, that do more than just making profit. And they want to contribute and also tapping into to, uh, uh, to, that, um, to that need uh, sort of converges also with technology, what technology offers, the innovativeness of young companies, uh, the possibilities of new technologies, and of course also the need. And, and I do think that, uh, you know, like that social role 
is really uh, also um, in the history of insurance um, uh, always has been a very important part. Uh, look at, for instance, uh, yeah, how insurance uh, was was created a long a long times ago, when people in a in a certain village uh, sort of uh, put their money um, money together to make sure that if one of the farms would burn down, there would be enough money to uh, to restore it. The social function has always been there, and uh, with new technologies, we can really reboot that. Mm-hmm. I think it is very great that a fourth wave like this is coming to our industry. Yeah, I think so as well. And you know, like um, it also converges with the with the massive uh, challenges that we have uh, today um, in the areas of waste, of um, of uh, water, of energy, and the financial service institutions just play a role, uh, an important role in solving those issues. So um, now it's the time to uh, to take that take on the challenge also. Absolutely. I agree. And I would like to drive a conversation about innovation now. Because when I heard you presenting at the Magic of Innovation this year, I heard your definition about innovation that really captured my mind. You said that for you, innovation was about understanding how technology changes customer behavior and utilize that. Can we dig a bit deeper into this? Yes, I think that we I think that we really I think that we really need to rethink innovation um, and the way we uh, we have been thinking about it in the in the in the last decade. Um, and let me just give you an example. Of course, uh, you know Tinder, um, uh, the dating app. And nowadays, already um, or already one billion swipes take place every day, and uh, around 12 million matches. And it sort of shows how technology has changed building relationships among people. And uh, so on the one hand, you know, like the traditional innovation processes are around uh, uh, focus groups, asking customers what they want, uh, trying to find uh, customer insights, uh, new needs, latent needs. But nowadays, it becomes more about understanding those new technologies and understanding how those new technologies will interact with customer behavior. You know, I think that that's why I think that Tinder is a is a very interesting example because we notice that customer behavior changes dramatically because of the use of smartphones, of tablets, of mobile services. So it doesn't only have like an economic impact, but it also has a big social cultural impact which has consequences also for the relationships between customers and companies. People sort of are changing their cultural techniques, how they interact with different media. And, you know, like that's something I think is still pretty, pretty much an open space. We really need to think uh, how people gather, interpret and disseminate information. And that's, that's I think, uh, an important challenge uh, for uh, innovation departments. And... Um, uh, this is, I think, where we can also find uh, new angles for new kinds of innovation. And the place I would like to find new angles for new kind of innovation is Munich, as I'm super excited to attend on DIA. You are co-founder of the Digital Insurance Agenda, also known as DIA, which is the first global community and conference connecting change agents at the insurance firms with fintech leaders. The next DIA conference is coming up in November in Munich. Could you tell us what differentiates DIA from other conferences? 
Um, I think that uh, both Reggie, uh, the other co-founder, and myself have a strong background in insurance. Um, we've been working in the sector for 25 years for uh, for for the big brands. Uh, think of Zurich, uh, Allianz, Munich Re Brands, Baloise, Egon, um, in over 40 countries. Um, and we use that knowledge to 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 select to carefully handpick the best of breed insurtechs that are now currently available from across the globe. And we have some 50 of them on stage. So just offering them, uh, uh, having them on stage offers a great opportunity to the audience to have just in two days an excellent overview of uh, the best what's taking place currently in insurtech and how to accelerate innovation at their insurance company. Of course, we also have, um, have um, uh, some keynotes, but the essence is really to connect the insurance executives that are our guests with the uh, insurtech uh, leaders that are on stage. And we provide also ample opportunity to network with them, to discuss in one-on-one -on -one meetings, so that uh, at the end of the day, people go home really inspired, and uh, but also having their uh, enough ideas to further enhance and improve the digital strategies that they're already working with. Now, this is suitable for the, our conference. is suitable for everyone who is um, involved in uh, in uh, change, in innovation, in IT, in improving claims or improving underwriting. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's also uh, the the kind of eclectic mix that we offer on stage. So we try to create an environment where everyone feels very comfortable and uh, is open to have open conversations and discussions. I think basically that's, that's, that's what makes us different from other conferences. That sounds all really exciting and I'm really looking forward to go there, see the demos, talk to the innovators and become part of this global community. Where can we buy tickets for the event? Of course, at the website at, um, at uh, uh, www.digitalinsuranceagenda.com. And I think that um, if uh, 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 your audience would, uh, would enter in the registration progress, the specific uh, discount code for uh, the audience of FinTech Flow, it'll even offer them a 200 euro discount. I will put the link of the website and the coupon code to the show notes. So as FintechFlow is media partner of the event, you can purchase your ticket with a 200 euro discount. The code you need to use for this is DIA200FTFLOW. But as I mentioned, it will be in the show notes and on our social media. Roger, thank you very much for being with us today. I wish you an effective preparation for the DIA and I'm looking forward to meet you there and create some great material for our listeners. Thank you very much, uh, Linda, for your support and uh, for having me on your show. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a review. It is just a click for you, but it would mean a lot to us. Until next time, stay tuned and follow the flow.